the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church, where we minister in the spirit of excellence under the leadership of our anointed senior pastor, Bukas Sterling III. Please stay tuned at the end of this broadcast for information on how to obtain a copy of today's message in its entirety. And now, Pastor Sterling. I want to invite your attention on this morning to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9. We'll begin our reading in verse 18 of Matthew, chapter 9. God's word reads as follows. While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came to worship him, saying, My daughter has just died. But come and lay your hands on her, and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good Cheer, daughter, uh, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, make room, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand and the girl arose. And the report of this went out into all the land. Would you pray with me, please? Father, in your name, we thank you for another great and glorious opportunity we have to declare your word. Speak, eternal God, in this place. Words, God, of life, words of encouragement, words, oh God, that would draw someone from death to life. Words that would draw them from waywardness to faithfulness. God, speak in this place that your name would get all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. I need you now that you would strengthen me to declare your word. Have your holy way in Jesus name. I pray. Amen. Amen. In this world in which we live today, we are dealing with the image of fathers being altered greatly. We're living in a time where. It seems as if fathers are absent, they're uninvolved, they're disconnected, and in media presentations of fathers, we are being eliminated almost altogether. I don't know if you've ever taken the time to do this, but I just kind of noticed some things, even in commercials and things like that, the imagery of the father is either completely not present at all, or he's some bumbling idiot that has no real involvement in the family life. And that's the depiction of media of our fathers today. 
And if you add to that some of the new legislations and new ideologies of fathers turning into women and women turning into fathers and shared same-sex marriages and all that, it further gives effort to deplete the imagery of the father and to create continuous and ongoing negative presentations of what a father is and what a father should be. Whether we realize it or not, these images and these subliminal ideas are, in fact, affecting us. And so for this morning, as opposed to focusing on the negatives of a father's, I want to look at some of the positive attributes of a father. I want to talk to you from the idea of positive fatherly attributes. In our text on this morning, Jesus has just left the country of the Gadareans and perhaps moved into uh, Capernaum. And as he moves into Capernaum, this text tells the story of two fathers, two daughters, and two healings. And what I want to do is try to look at this story of these two fathers, these two daughters, and these two healings and extract from this the positive fatherly attributes that are seen in the text. The first attribute, as I look, verse number 18, it says, As he spoke these things, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hands on her, and she will live. This is the first father we see that enters into this text. His name is Jairus. What we see as a positive attribute of a father is that he seeks life for his children. The father who really loves his child is interested in his child living. Okay. He, first of all, is not only interested in his child coming into the world and having life in the world, but he is more interested in the fact that his child is able to come in contact with or be adopted into the family of God and have everlasting life. And he will do what is necessary to seek life for his child. And so this ruler, Jairus, he seeks life for his daughter by, first of all, humbling himself. Jairus, he is responsible for the upkeep and the well-being of the synagogue but also he's responsible for the worship in the synagogue. In other words, let me break it down to our vernacular. He's a trustee and he's worship leader. This is his responsibility in the synagogue who has as a normalcy opposition to Jesus. Okay, They've been hostile to Jesus. They're not friendly to Jesus because Jesus' gospel so far, his message so far, seems to be aimed directly at their wickedness and their shortcomings as it relates to the trueness of Scripture. So they're not partnering with Jesus. They're at odds with Jesus. And so this ruler who is worship leader and trustee in the synagogue has to now leave his trusty assignments, his worship leader assignments, and he has to go because his daughter is dead. He goes to Jesus, whom he and his other partners in the synagogue have opposition to, but he'll do it because he wants life for his daughter. 
let me just tell you, it takes a little humility in order to eat a little crow to say, you know, even though I don't like you, I realize I need you. That's what Jairus does when he goes to Jesus, and he goes to Jesus humbling himself. And let me say this, a great positive attribute of a father is the ability to humble himself to make sure that his children have life. What that might mean, fathers, is that even though you don't like going to church, you will go to church with your children so that you can assure that they receive life. Don't just send them to church. Go with them to church. Don't just point them to a Bible study. Go with them to the Bible study. Don't just tell them where children's church is. Walk them to children's church. Let them see that you are willing, even though as a, as a big old strong man, to humble yourself as well to give guidance to them so that they can receive life. Jairus humbles himself. He goes against the grain because his daughter doesn't have life. She's dead. My daughter, he says, is dead. Jairus not only does that, but as I look further, what I also see that Jairus does in the text, it says this ruler came and he worshipped him. I like this part because what I see here in Jairus' case, which is also very necessary in our case, is that Jairus worships first. His daughter is dead, but instead of jumping over worship of Jesus... To let Jesus know, I need you, he comes first and worships Jesus. Let me help somebody right here. When you put worship before requests, it helps to set your mind in order and it helps to set the circumstances in order so that the request can, one, be received in worship and second, so that your spirit can be right when you put your request forward. If your daughter had just died, most of us would immediately begin to request of the Lord what we wanted. God, bring her back right now. I need you. You got to leave what you're doing. Come with me right now. But this ruler had the wisdom enough to understand that worship needs to come before requests. Let me just help somebody who might be in a crisis situation. Worship in crisis situations helps set your mind in the right mode. But what do we typically do when we're in crisis? We begin to weep and cry and mourn and we begin to seek out other folks and we begin to act outside the will of God and we begin to do all kinds of things. But sometimes we just lose it. But if you would just worship in crises, it sets your spirit right to deal with what's happening. Can I just talk about us right now? As a world and as a country, we're witnessing on the news some horrendous things that are going on. But if we would just worship, before we request, it sets our mind in the right place so that we can request the right thing. So instead of requesting the death penalty, we'll request life for the one who perpetrated such a crime. But you got to worship first. Jairus comes and he worships to seek life for his child. After his worship, then he presents his request. He comes, the ruler came, he worshiped him, saying, now his request, my daughter has just died but come lay your hands on her and she will live now Jairus in seeking life for his child not only humbles himself as it relates to coming to Jesus in the first place because he's a leader in the synagogue who has hostility towards Jesus but he humbles himself to go to Jesus he worships Jesus first then he gives his request and his request is full of faith 
my daughter is dead, but my faith says, if you, Jesus, will come and lay your hands on her, she will live, not that she might live. This is a strong statement of faith. He goes to the right person, and he goes with the right faith attitude, because a whole lot of us at this time, we might go to the wrong person and nothing happens, but because he wants life for his child, he goes to the right person, and he goes to the right person with faith running over. And when he says, if you lay your hands on her, it was understood in that day and time that there was the concept of a transference of power and a transference of what one possessed to another by laying hands on them. And so by this Jewish synagogue leader, ruler coming to Jesus, saying to Jesus, Jesus, I know, I believe my faith says if you would come and if you would lay your hands on her, I know that she will live what he was in essence saying is that Jesus I know that in you there is life and if you can put your hands on her the life that's in you will transfer to her and my daughter will live I wish I had a few fathers that would go to Jesus for the life of their children We've got to know where life comes from. It's not in basketball. It's not in soccer. It's not in in making sure they go to ballet and making sure they're in cheerleader practice. No! Life for your child is in Jesus. Don't get me wrong. Ain't nothing wrong with boys and girls club. But if boys and girls club is superseding your efforts to get your child life, then you've gone to the wrong place. You need to understand that life comes from Jesus. And if we put Jesus first and understand that if he puts his hands on my child, not the right coach, not the right program, not the right college. But if Jesus will put his hands on my child, I know they'll have life. That's what Jairus, he got this thing. He seeks life for his child. A great positive attribute for fathers is that they seek life for their children. And here's important. You got to seek it in the right place and from the right person. The only one that can provide life is the one who possesses life. And that's Jesus Christ himself. Second thing here in the text is that as you pick up at verse number 20, it says, And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind, touched the hem of his garment, for she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around when he saw her and he said, be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. Here's the second thing. A great positive attribute of a father is that he stops to meet his children's needs. I like that. Now, we are moving from Father Jairus to Father Jesus. Amen. And in the middle of his being en route to handle some business, he has an appointment with Jairus and Jairus' daughter. It's an important appointment because Jairus' daughter is dead. It's an imminent appointment. It's a time-constrained appointment that he's on, and we've got to hurry up and get there. And it's not just him going. The text says that he and his disciples are going. So he's got other people involved in the process of getting to where he has to go. But... Here comes a daughter, the text says, that describes her as a woman with an issue of blood. And this woman who doesn't have an appointment, this woman who is disqualified from having a face-to-face with Jesus, sneaks up and creeps up behind her father. (laughs) Help me, Lord. And all she needs is a little bit of his time and a little bit of his 
essence, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. But listen, fathers, you got to be willing, even when you've got an important appointment, even when you've got it on the calendar, and even when you're on your way, and even when other folk are depending on you, you've got to be willing to stop what you're doing. Amen. And, and give attention to your child, even if they don't have an appointment. Even when they're bothering you. Even when you're working on your sermon and they come tugging on you. Even when you're doing your homework or even when you're doing the project. And, and even you're the big boss, you're the big cheese. And everybody needs the project that you're working on. And it has to be done tomorrow. And here come your child talking about dead daddy. A great attribute is that you're willing to stop and give attention to their needs. Because here's Jesus. I mean, this is an important appointment. He's on, he's on assignment here. And this lady who has no appointment, who, is, who should have been crying out unclean, unclean, she, she just says, I just need a little bit of my father's time and attention. I'm, I'm going to talk to, to a whole lot of folk here in the congregation and on the radio um, because there's a lot of people who are starving for their father's time and attention even though you're now 30 years old and 50 years old and 60 plus years old you're still hungry because you didn't get that time and attention daddy was too busy he was always working and we have accepted that as the norm and we said, well, he, he didn't do it, but, but he was working. As if somehow that is enough. But the reality is, it's not enough. And we're, we're suffering from depravity, from, from fatherly love and attention. And it transfers in a whole lot of folks' lives in the form of hooking up with people that you shouldn't hook up with because you have a father issue and you're trying to hook up with an older dude because you got daddy issues or you're trying to hook up with somebody who calls you pretty because you got daddy issues or you trying to hook up with somebody who you can tag along with and you can depend on because you've got daddy issues. I'm trying to help us daddy to understand that just a little bit of time and attention goes a whole long way to dealing with some issues that folk have had a long time. This woman had an issue for 12 years and just a little bit of time and a little bit of virtue that flowed out of the hem of her father's garment was enough to take care of her need. This lady, like I said, she should have been, she should have been outside society and she didn't really have privilege to come to him, but she came because she just needed a moment. She just needed a touch. And sometimes, fathers, that's all our children need. They just need a moment. They just need a touch. We have to keep in mind that we can't be too busy with our other assignments or perhaps even with other children that we don't give them the attention they need because the attention that we give them at that moment may be what's necessary to heal an issue that's deeply seated inside of them. This woman, if you read the text, you deal with her story, you probably know about it. She had, she had gone everywhere trying to deal with her issue. She had tried to fix it every which way she could. But if only one thing fixed her issue, and that was getting to her father. I like that. So he stops. He does three things for her. Watch. First of all, as he stops, he encourages her. He says, be of good cheer. That's encouragement. Yeah. 
be of good cheer. I, I, I understand what you've been going through. And he says this, even though she interrupted his appointment. And you know, fathers, how we are when we got a business appointment. We, I mean, because we serious, you know, we got stuff to do. We got place to go, people to see. And, and then for your child to interrupt that and for us to be encouraging when they interrupt. Imagine how that makes your child feel when you encourage them even after they've interrupted you. But he encourages her. He says, be of good cheer, even though she has interrupted him, because Jesus knows the power of encouraging his child. Most of us didn't get enough encouragement. Most of us, if we got it, it didn't come from daddy. Now, I know that some of you had good daddies. Not me, Pastor. My daddy always encouraged me. I know. Oh, praise the Lord for that. But, but a whole lot of folk didn't get that. A whole lot of folk never had a good conversation with their father at all. Even though he was in the house. I'm not talking about the deadbeat dads that were never around. I'm talking about the ones that was in the house. Because all he did was work, came home, sat in front of the TV, drank a beer, smoked a cigarette, and went to sleep. But if every now and then he would have just turned to you and said, you're doing a good job, I appreciate what you're doing, good grades, great job, it would have helped you along the way. But some of us are still suffering because that never happened. Jesus knew the power of encouragement. He encouraged her. He said, look, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. And then watch this. Then he affirms her by calling her daughter. Y'all see that in the text? He, 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 first he encourages her, be a good cheer. Then he comes back and he affirms her, calling her daughter. Many don't understand. They underestimate the power of owning their children. I will include those that don't own their children, that you, you have produced some that you're not owning. But there are some who have not claimed the ones that are theirs. Amen. But there is power that is transferred when you own your child. There are some who feel disconnected from life and family because daddy never owned them. Daddy never acknowledged them. Daddy never, he, he never affirmed them as his own. Fathers, how do we do that? And, and I'm talking even so for those who have children living in the house with you, though, your own children. Every now and then you just, just a, a word to remind them that you're my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. And I love you. And affirm them in, in just the ownership of being part of the family. You're a sterling. You're, my, you're a sterling child. You're my child. You're carrying my name. That affirmation goes a long way. Jesus affirms her. He could have called her a woman. He could have he just said, what are you doing? You ain't got no right. Don't you realize I'm on assignment? I got an appointment. I got something else to do. You bothering me? Leave me alone. Get out my way. You, you, you wretched woman. You're wicked. You're, you're undone. You're unclean. He could have done a whole lot of things, but look what he says. He says, daughter. An endearing term. Jesus knows the power of endearing terms and how powerful that is in the life of children. And so as he he stops. He, he stops to meet her need because not only does she have a need of healing, he, she's got a need of encouragement. She's got a need of affirmation. And he's meeting these needs too. Oftentimes we read this text and we only see the blood healing. But there's a whole lot of other things going on in this text. He's, he's meeting needs for her. It's, it's just so important to do this for, for our children. And especially, I'd say, especially it's good to affirm them when they're down already. She's already down. 
She's been cast out from society. She's, she's been in this condition of uncleanness for 12 years. And here comes Jesus. And he not only encourages her, saying, good, be of good cheer, but he affirms her by calling her daughter. He owns her. He gives her what she needs in a time when she's already down. Fathers, parents, listen to me. If you could just affirm your children when they're down, it makes a whole lot of difference. They already know they messed up. They already know they're in trouble. But affirm them. And, and that's what Jesus does. To continue our journey, tune in next week for the second half of today's message. Praise the Lord. You've been listening to the radio broadcast ministry of Kettering Baptist Church under the leadership of Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III, where we minister in the spirit of excellence. We pray that you have been richly blessed by today's message. Financial contributions in support of this ministry are welcome. We thank you in advance for uniting with us in kingdom building. For a copy of this sermon on CD or to hear this message again on the web, please visit our website at KetteringMinistries.org and remember to reference the title or broadcast date. We hope that you have enjoyed our journey together and we invite you to join us for one of our spirit-filled worship services Sundays at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m. at our new edifice called the Legacy Center located at 6909 Crane Highway, Upper Marlboro, Maryland. For additional information, go to our website at KetteringMinistries.org or contact our church office at 301-574-3515. Please join us again as Senior Pastor Bukas Sterling III and the Kettering Baptist Church family minister in the spirit of excellence. When most people hear the word leprosy, they wonder if it still even exists. But leprosy does exist. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.